Welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Actually, fastest growing east side of the Mississippi. But we'll we get into that. We'll we get are. into that another We're day. There. Election night was last night. Results are still rolling in. We will let you. We'll, we'll recap that for you on an, at another time. But there was big news out of the South Carolina Senate today, and ultimately out of the entire General Assembly. Dave, we're joined, of course, as you can see, by Senator Josh Kimbrell of Spartanburg. Yeah. Um, Dave, we've been tracking uh, House Bill 5399 um, it's, I think since it, Noah built the ark, I yeah, think, it, it feels it, like. It's, I feel sometimes like we're trying to track this Hurricane Nicole that's starting to make its way through. Who knows where it's going to do, which way it's going to turn. I feel like today, though, Senator Kimbrell, it kind of like hit the brakes really fast with what was going on on abortion law in South Carolina. Uh, yeah, I think we hit a wall, break, hitting the brakes, hitting a wall, whichever metaphor. Uh, I, I think we're at an impasse now where it's going to come down to what does the state Supreme Court do and how do we respond to that? I mean, I've been saying, I feel like I've talked about it ad nauseum. You mentioned feeling like it's been since Noah. I feel that way largely. Um, it's, it's been an incredibly interesting journey in a way that, not in a good way. I mean, we, I felt like after Dobbs overturned, we would find some consensus between the House and the Senate that would work, that we would find and with the supermajority Republican legislature, we'd find a way to defend life. Uh, unfortunately, you've got, you've got intra-party fights in both chambers. You've got a fight between both chambers. And on top of that, to add fuel to the fire, you have an activist Supreme Court that's inserted itself into this debate more so than I think is appropriate. So... Uh, we're in a really bad fix, to put it mildly. Uh, that's uh, right. Right now, I feel like what should have been a fall or summer and fall that we took an enormous step forward in the defense of life in South Carolina. We've taken uh, not necessarily a step backwards, but we it potentially could. I mean, depending on what the court does, we're in a perilous spot where we literally could see abortion on demand become the policy of the state of South Carolina for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that would be a great tragedy in light of what happened in June. For those of you who are watching this, it, you might not have watched your local news yet, and even if you did, you're going to get more information here. That's true. The, the South Carolina Senate met today after the conference committee had met... This morning. For, this morning. First time. No, they met uh, before. There was one yeah, other time. And yeah. there was one other time. So they met once, and then they met the, for the second time, and the possibly first of two times today. So they, they bring a bill out of conference committee. It is presented that there is a motion to lay it on the table and that motion so what I'll, what I'll go back to look I mean I, I hate to be the person that says this is I told people so okay but I feel like I feel like twice this year I've been in the position of having to say look I tried to say this would happen right uh, on the election law not to rehash that but we had a I offered an amendment on the floor that would be a compromise between the house and the senate to strengthen the elections and we ended up getting that done, but only after a lot of bloodletting and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth because you had posturing really on both sides of the General Assembly between the House and the Senate and factions within both. And ultimately, we kind of, we could count, right? We knew early on, I knew early on, a lot of us did, where that was going to land. And that was going to be that we had, uh, it was a fight over advice and consent confirmation of the election commissioners. What the compromise I'd offered early on is what we ended up adopting. And we got the bill in place. I, I tried to say back in September, look, the Senate did not have the votes to go where the House was. We had some folks in the House, and I voted for their bill repeatedly, but saying that we wanted a ban at conception with rape, incest, life of the mother exceptions. Actually, some folks wanted no exceptions. We had a few people in the Senate, a few people in the House. That was their position. We wanted a conception ban, no abortions, and no exceptions. But well, that was never going to happen. Yeah, that, that, there's some folks who don't seem to understand as 
right as we believe that that's right to just be policies what well, right policy but politically there's no ability to do it how is it so that so that folks who are watching it understand when they say when it is said they're just not the votes there to do it is it the fact that pro-lifers aren't really being pro-life? Well, there's or? different definitions of pro-life, and I know people hate when you say that, but let's go back to what I said about being right again, and I don't necessarily want to be right. right. I, I was right about the election bill. What I suggested we do is what we ended up doing. What I said in September on this is that the Senate had passed a strengthening of the heartbeat bill. We would have essentially uh, disarmed the improvised explosive device that is the court's review of, of the heartbeat bill. The state Supreme Court's review of this and their potential creation of a right to privacy using penumbras, by the way, same terminology the federal court used in 1973. Yep. So we now have the state Supreme Court considering doing exactly what the federal court just overturned after 50 years. Think about the tragedy of that. The U.S. Supreme Court writes a tremendous wrong with Roe, and now our state court's about to do the same thing that the Supreme Court of the United States did in 1973. And so what I tried to do is disarm that IED and a number of colleagues. We said, look, if we can't get a conception ban, which I tried to get, right? I offered an exceptions amendment that said, let's go with a ban at conception, with rape, incest, life of the mother exceptions at six weeks. We came really close. I had the people who wanted to go even further than that with no exceptions who killed the amendment. So after that was over, the, what we ended up doing in the Senate in September was strengthening the heartbeat bill, taking away that the impetus, the language that the state Supreme Court used to put a hold on the heartbeat bill. And we could have put heartbeat into effect. We could have permanently defunded Planned Parenthood. We could have strengthened the tighten, tightened the law around the exceptions and made a much stronger version of heartbeat, which still would have been in the top tier of all pro-life laws in this country. And all the, all the House had to do then was concur, and I had asked them to do that. Um, unfortunately, we got into this little intra-chamber fight again where people in the House called and said, well, we're going to call the Senate's bluff. And they did. They said, well, no, we're gonna, we non-concurred. Then it goes to conference committee, and the conference committee died in the, in the Senate today because we keep getting a House bill that goes at a conception ban without rape, incest, life of the mother, and fetal abnormality exceptions. And there's just not enough votes there, so, in spite of so my personal those, opinion. those elements were not included in the conference committee today? The conference committee included rape, incest, life of the mother, but the rape exception was very vague because the state statute, it didn't match state statute. So under the conference committee report, it really did not have a rape exception. It had life of the mother and maybe incest, but it was vague. So you lost six votes in the Senate Republican caucus. You don't have enough to pass then. So the best thing we could have done was to do what I suggested in September, which is concur with the House bill or concur with the Senate bill, get the House to concur. Let's strengthen heartbeat, protect as many lives as we can. That would have ended still 85 to 90 percent of abortions almost overnight. And then we could have gone back and done something later. The problem now is because we've passed nothing. I'm afraid the state Supreme Court's going to invalidate the heartbeat bill, and and then if they invent a right to privacy on top of that, you may be in a situation where we end up with a 21-week abortions being allowed in this state, which is no different than California or New York. That is a tragedy uh, to go from a supermajority Republican legislature with a majority of the Republican caucus being very pro-life and, and then end up being in, in a horrible, the most liberal in the Southeast on abortion. So there's some folks within circles you turn around and say that we have a right to privacy inside the state constitution you look at their section 10 of article 1 and it talks about searches and seizures but is that really what that's talking about i'm afraid that's what the court may try to piggyback on but there's a difference between a right to privacy and an invasion of privacy that section 10 of the constitution regarding searches and seizures largely mirrors the federal constitution's fourth uh, you know the fourth amendment the idea right. of unreasonable search and seizure, mm -hmm. and, and that's what it's referring to. So when you say right to privacy, that's not the same thing as an invasion of privacy. It's saying in this case the government cannot come in 
and just go through your, your underwear drawer and see if you got something illegal, right? That's what it means. It's, it's basically the same thing the federal government has, saying that no agency of the government has the right just to come up in your house. What, what some of the more liberal jurists have tried to do, and what I think some of maybe one or two folks in our state Supreme Court are trying to do, certainly Planned Parenthood are trying to do, is argue that that tenth, Section 10 of the state constitution is essentially not just applying to government agencies, but is saying, well, you get the right to abort your child. Well, that's not what that means. Right. Nobody right. in 1895 right. thought that's what that meant, and that's not what it's ever been interpreted to mean. It means that state law enforcement division can't kick down your front door because they want to go through your underwear drawer without a warrant. Right. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you get the right to go have right. an abortion. This says underneath, and it says, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures and unreasonable invasions of privacy shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause. This is where we get into this debate over strict constructionism versus the living constitution idea. And that, that's where there's two legal posit positivism, as it's known, where you got a school of thought more liberal, where people say, well, the Constitution's a living, living, breathing document. We'll read into it what we want to for changing times. That's what they did in 1973 with Roe. But that's not what it means. I'm a textualist. The text means what it says. If you're a strict constructionist, you can't take Section 10 of the state constitution and say that invent, that creates an inviolable right to privacy that you get to go have an abortion. Yes, do I believe you have a right to privacy that the government doesn't get to come stick a camera in your bedroom and see what's going on? Of course. Do I think they have the right to go through your car? Of course not. That, that's what that's for. But it doesn't mean that we as a, as a state don't get to set boundaries around protecting life uh, because somehow that's an a violation of privacy. Well, that's the, not the same thing. And the other side of it is, is this is an amendment. This was done through an amendment process into the state constitution in the early 70s prior to Roe v. Wade. I mean, this is sure. in the 70s. It has nothing to do with Roe v. Wade. 1971. So, so when you look at it from that standpoint, you can't, how in the world can you argue a position that says this has to do with abortion before the legalization of abortion through the process was sure. even This is where I feel place. like that we're, we're, we're precipitously close to a constitutional crisis in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by this is we have, there's two major issues at play here. Let's make sure mm -hmm. we keep them distinct, but they're related. One is we have been unable in the, in the aftermath of Dobbs to, to put together, to uh, build a cohesive uh comprehensive kind of approach in the Republican caucus in both chambers to pass legislation that would defend life. We've been unable to do it. Now, if you go back in 2021, that was the strongest piece of pro-life legislation ever. Right. Our heartbeat bill, even now, would still be one of the most pro-life pieces of legislation in the country. The problem is the state Supreme Court stuck itself into this, and even after Roe was overturned, now we got the state court holding it hostage and basically not letting it go into effect. They're saying that's because there's a law in the books from 1974 that basically codifies abortion demand as the policy of this state. It is true that's on the books. There's two schools of thought on this, though. You've got some people who say, well, the legislature has the right over all these decades since then to restrict that right to abortion from 1974 through additional actions like the heartbeat bill, like paying capable, all these laws that we've passed. I tend to agree with that. Okay, I, I, I tend to think that when the legislature passes a more recent act, that more recent act supersedes the prior act. The state Supreme Court, at least the majority of them, took the position of, no, no, you've got to strike out that law. You can't just build upon it. You've got to take it out. So that's why I wanted the House to concur, going back to our earlier conversation back in September, because it had a fix. We could have fixed the language and struck out the 1974 right to abortion in, the, in state law. So the court would really have no leg to stand on in terms of saying, well, the legislature is contradicting itself, so therefore heartbeat bill is invalidated. Okay, so we've missed that chance now. So now we've got to see if the court's going to agree with the idea that more recent legislation restricts abortion or if they're going to toss it out 
in which case we got to rush back in the new session in January and see if we can do something then. So, and then on yeah. top of that, the other issue is the privacy. If they create a right to privacy that says we can't do anything, period, now you're looking at a massive overreach on the part of the state Supreme Court into legislative function versus judiciary, and that's a separation of powers question, and we may use the I word, by that I mean impeachment at that point. It, 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 this is a backdrop that maybe folks who aren't in the world, aren't in this realm, sure. don't see necessarily. If you just focus on reading uh, the state or the Post and Courier, you might not get this level of, of, depth, of depth of understanding. Right. But th this this has ramifications that when you really start to peel the onion back, as you just mentioned, we could be in a windfall of consequences on this by the time we get to January, February. Absolutely. I mean, look, everything I just outlined, there's, there's a ba mixed bag of bad issues there. And right now, because the legislature has been unable to act, I mean, we, we're leaving here today with nothing having passed. Okay. The only thing the legislature's done in the 124th General Assembly that just that'll that'll come to a conclusion Sunday night is we did pass the heartbeat bill, which is a great step forward, but not when the court has enjoined it, not when they say that there's a legal conflict. Now we're at the mercy of the state Supreme Court. If they find a way to uphold the heartbeat bill, great, that goes back into effect. We will immediately defend life in a pretty pretty significant way. And we have a platform from which to build to take further steps later, potentially after the 2024 elections when the Senate changes a little bit. So everybody, when you're when you're listening to this and you're thinking about this at home or in the car, wherever you are, there, there is a factor that plays into this. And, and it is pure politics at this moment. But that is the fact that the General Assembly is responsible for the selection of the justices of the Supreme Court. Right. Is there a place where you feel like perhaps some of those who want to move up in the court or want to be able to move into the court are going to recognize, I've got to tread softly on this particular issue, or do you think they just don't care? I, you're, I, I'm sorry to say I can't really speculate. I don't know. I mean, do I think they should bear in mind the system? Sure. I mean, but, but look, you don't want judges making decisions based on pure politics either, right? right. That could be bad. What I think is they need to be mindful of is, yes, at least one of the – got one judge retiring next year. Um, Justice Hearn, so we, we have to have a replacement for uh, for her. I'm advocating for a conservative justice on that position. I know who I want. Um, I'm, I'm certainly supporting uh, uh, Trip Anderson, the Administrative Law Court's chief judge. I think he's a strict constructionist. I'd like to have him on the court. That won't save heartbeat right now, right? That's not right. going to happen fast enough. But if we have a bunch of judges who take a position of inventing rights to privacy that don't exist in the Constitution or legislating from the bench, um, I think it's time for us to explore our constitutional powers in the legislature of impeachment. Uh, I am willing to support. I'm in the Senate, so we'd have to be the jury, right? The impeachment right. would have to happen in the House. I've already had a number of House members tell me that if they invent a right to privacy, they're going to move to impeach. Uh, I would vote to convict based on, you know, assuming the circumstances merit. But I, I would certainly be open to impeachment of a judge that feels like it's their job to supersede the legislature and write the law themselves. That's what we've seen at the federal level way too much. Last thing you want to do is see that at the state level. So we, we, we're in a really interesting place here. That it, it, the uh, Toward the end of 2022, when we should have been in the more, most pro-life position we've maybe ever been in, uh, we're in a very precarious place. Well, that goes back to where, when you take a look at the election and what happened last night sure. on ballot initiatives where ab abortion was on the state ballot in five different states, either for the ending of abortion or for giving the right to abortion, the pro-life movement 
lost in every single one of those. That is really concerning. It's about messaging. Sorry, right. you gonna no, say you're something? Good. No, I was about to say the same thing. It's about messaging. Here, here's the problem. We have spent, we being pro-life folks, have spent 50 years wanting to see Roe overturned. And um, I hate to be so blunt, but it's almost like, um, it's a little too blunt, it's almost like a wedding night or something. If you've, been, if you've waited 30 years to get married and then you're wedding night too excited, you mess things up. That's what we're doing here. We spent 50 years wanting to see Roe overturned, and that's a good thing to want to have happen, and it was a great blessing for the country that it was. We have gotten way out ahead of our skis on this. We've had legislators even here in Columbia talking about arresting moms who have abortion or arresting Uber drivers for crossing state lines if they, go, if they get anywhere within 50 miles of a Planned Parenthood clinic. And while I am pro-life from conception, you're not going to win that argument. You can't go 50 years of saying that it's the right of a woman to have an abortion and then suddenly say, well, no, now we're going to arrest her. You can't do that. So we've allowed things to go so far. We've actually played into the Democratic narrative because the Democratic, the leftist narrative for years has been uh, all that the conservatives, all Republican pro-lifers want to do is put mama in chain and make it like the handmaiden's tales. You know, we've even right. had during the fall during the fall campaign here, we had people dressed up in handmaiden's tales outfits showing up at rallies for Republicans in South Carolina. But well, they want that narrative, right? They want us to want to arrest mom. And you're not going to win that. So when you have certain legislators and want to pull it so draconingly fast to the right, then you can't get people with you. Here's what I've always believed. And I get hit from both sides on this a little bit. I, I will take 80% of what I want before I'm going to burn the house down over that 20% I didn't get. Unfortunately, not everybody feels that way. So we're in a position right now to where we have let's just forget the democrats we know where they are the, the democratic caucus in this state with the exception of kent williams god bless him is pro-choice pretty much without exceptions right let's just take the republican caucus you've got one or two members of our caucus who aren't too far off from the democrats in supporting abortion quite late and even beyond the first trimester at least all the way to the end of the first trimester i think that's wrong but then you've got so that's the more liberal wing but then you've got these folks that just pointed out who want to arrest people and have no exceptions even if a 12-year-old girl gets raped. You're not going to win that argument. Somewhere in between is the rational place to be right now. Most Americans agree. If you ask the question, do you think you should ban all abortions with no exceptions? The answer to that is 80% say no. But if you ask the question, do you think we should ban abortions once a heartbeat is detected, once a child is developing in the womb and it's a, a discernible person, then 70% say, yeah, we should ban that. We are losing the argument by making the perfect the enemy the good. Right now, we're about to go backwards in South Carolina because people tried to go for the Hail Mary Pass instead of running some plays to get to the end zone. I care about gaining yards, not trying to go for the Hail Mary Pass every time. So South Carolina is in a precarious spot. The reason we're not talking about election results today is because of what happened inside the South Carolina Senate today, today. and what will be happening, or lack thereof, in the General Assembly until the end of the year because now, as Senator Kimbrell has mentioned to us, there's a backdrop that has been here the entire time of the South Carolina State Supreme Court, which just so happens to sit right across the street from uh, the Senate chamber. So we'll continue to track this. What we want you to do is we want to make sure that you're aware of what's going on. So make sure that you're subscribed to the Palmetto Family's newsletter. You can do that at palmettofamily.org. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever social media platform you use. You also want to download the Palmetto Family Council app. As we get closer and as that decision comes across, we're going to spend the time going through that 
because there are a couple of different ways the court can go on this, as the senator has mentioned today. And we want to make sure that you are as well informed as you possibly can be on the issue beyond just the surface level talking points. So, senator, well, and thank I would, you. Let me say one last thing. I know we got to go. Here's yeah. what because it'll tie into when y'all do election coverage. One of the reasons the red wave did not materialize the way we wanted it to is because of how we've messaged this issue. Frankly, I'm not running from being pro-life. I'm pro-life and proud of it. But if you look at Pennsylvania, for example, the number two issue on the exit poll was abortion. And most of the people went yeah. Democrat for that because, right. because they thought the rhetoric was too harsh. Pulled a lot we, have, we have to do this right. We have to make sure we're talking about protecting those innocent babies in the womb because the right thing to do. We also have to make sure we don't come across as callous toward that 12-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old girl who's gone through tough life circumstances. We don't want to come across as jaded to where there's no love or compassion. This is where, particularly as Christians, it matters that you get it right, that you're compassionate for the child in the womb, but you're also compassionate to the woman who finds herself in an unfortunate situation, particularly as a young person who's scared. And if we don't balance our rhetoric on this, it's going to not only have bad policy consequences, we're not even going to be in a position to govern because we're going to lose elections. Because it's not, a, it's not necessarily about the fact that that life is not valuable. That's right. not it That's at all. That's not the point. It is. And, and you use this the it's phrase. It's balancing rights. It's, it's the phrase you use just now. Where we are right now, where the issue is right now, I don't believe, to, to the point you made earlier, we're a little bit ahead of our skis because there really hasn't been that change of hearts and minds. We've talked about it before. It's kind of like you say, you know, it's a woman's right to choose. My body, my choice. Just like there are people who still think there's a, quote, unquote, constitutional separation of church and state. Sure. There's been so much of the mantra that has been driven mm -hmm. into the mentality of people across the country. They can't see past the the fake news, so to speak, to the reality of what is truth. And I think that's the place where we have to do our job, just as you have to do your job, to make sure people know and understand exactly what's being discussed here. I enjoy when legislators actually do their job. And we appreciate you taking <laughs> the time you. today to do your here. job. And, and to join us here uh, late in the afternoon. We appreciate you doing your job and joining us, but now we have to do the job together, and that is to continue to advocate for life both in the womb and out of the womb. That's what being pro-life means. We continue to do that right here at Palmetto Family. For Kevin Kyle and Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson, Senator Josh Kimbrell. I am Justin Hall. We will see you next time on the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast.